Hello, I'm Marie Nugent, Community Manager for Diverse Data at Genomics England, and you're listening to The G Word. Through the conversations we have on this podcast, we hope to bring the benefits of genomic medicine to everyone. Today, we'll be hearing about the work of two fantastic organisations, the Errol McKellar Foundation and Friends of Caswell Thompson, and the impact they're having in raising awareness of prostate cancer risk in the communities. I'll be asking them what health research organisations can do to learn from their experience and better connect into community groups and improve health outcomes for those people. We are joined by Errol McKellar, MBE, founder of the Errol McKellar Foundation and the MOT Yourself campaign, and Errol Thompson and Eric Campbell, directors of Friends of Caswell Thompson, who are dedicated to supporting families affected by prostate cancer in and around Bristol. Welcome to The G Word. So, hello and welcome, Errol, Errol and Errol. <laughs> You've given me quite a challenge today. What are three E's? Yeah. yeah what are three, three E's? Yeah. So, it's a genuine pleasure to have you here with me today. Um, this is my first ever podcast, so I'm Likewise. very excited. Um, and obviously, we're here to discuss the brilliant work that you're doing and obviously take an opportunity to see what we can learn from the extensive experience that you've got in doing this really important work. So I just wanted to take a moment actually to recognise this is going to be a slightly different kind of conversation for the G word because um, I don't have really a, a genomics background and you know my real interest in this sort of work is the engagement work. So how you really connect meaningfully with communities. And importantly for me, you know, I'm always looking for ways in which we can better centre around that lived experience to improve things and really make a difference. So, yeah, this is a slightly different sort of take on the kind of conversation we're having here for the G word, but one I think nonetheless is still very important to have. So we are always trying to look at ways of engaging with communities to develop and benefit health and research. It's, it's part of the work that we're currently looking at in Genomics England, but there are a lot of different organisations looking at this now. Um, so, yeah, it's great to have you here to sort of enlighten us a bit more on this on this topic. Uh, I think there's lots to learn. <laughs> So I'm going to come to you first, uh, Errol McKellar, who I I might call you Errol M, if that's not yeah, too, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Errol yeah, M, yeah. to make the distinction. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> so who are you and what do you do? Right. Well, my name's Errol McKellar, MBE, um, prostate cancer survivor, founder of the uh, Errol McKellar Foundation. And our aim and the reasons why I set up the charity is for us to raise the much needed awareness issues to do with prostate cancer and to bring knowledge and information to lots of people in the communities but particularly in the African Caribbean community right which there's a deep education that needs to be brought to the table. And um, am I right in saying that in a past life you were a football coach? I saw some mention of David <laughs> yeah. Beckham on yeah, your website. <laughs> my, well, well, my past life, um, I was a fully qualified football coach and I had the privilege of working with people like David Beckham, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, Ledley King, Jermaine Defoe, Lee Bowyer, quite a, quite a few professional footballers. So I'm probably known more for my football coaching than my prostate cancer campaign, but it was a privileged time. I was very fortunate to work with some very, very good youngsters who went on to represent the country. So that was a proud moment for me. Um, I wanted to be a professional footballer when I grew up. Uh, didn't quite happen, but kind of payback really because I got satisfaction from going into coaching and, and helping those to fulfil their dreams. 
Yeah. You know, and I worked with a lot of others that, you know, probably didn't get the um, mention that they should get people like Adiak in Bai, you boys know from Bristol, mm-hmm. KO the Adajado was another yeah. one. So I've worked with a lot of good footballers, but it's easy when they're talented and they're gifted and they're determined. You know, all you've got to do is steer them in the right direction as a coach. And it sounds to me like that's something you've really brought into this kind of prostate awareness. I think it's, work, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's you know, I mean, you know, my passion, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, and as the, the, gen, the guys will tell you, you know, this is not something that we plan to do. It just happened to us. Mm. And collectively, you know, and I applaud the guys alongside me here because it's we who are going to make a difference with this issue. It's a big problem. And it needs to be addressed. And we are three of a number of great people out there that are really mm. championing to yeah. do something about this issue. So we'll mm. we'll come to um, Errol and Errol in a moment. I just wanted to ask, how did you first come across their work? Because I remember first bringing you into a call yeah. with um, Errol Thompson here. And I must say, <laughs> the bromance in the online room was real. Well, I think, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the first thing that always attracts you is when you've got the same name as somebody else, <laughs> right? Yeah. And to have the same name as two very popular people means you've got to look at what they do. And, and I'm really proud to say, you know what? That's why I will always use the phrase we, because, yes. you know, these two guys on my right and my left have done a lot of fantastic work in this issue and it shouldn't go unrecognised because, you know, we're all championing for the same Mm -hmm. cause, but, you know, special mention has to go to what they're doing, you know, because when, if you you go anywhere in Bristol and, you know, I'm proud to say I'm Errol because I get confused with these two, which is brilliant, (laughs) really, you know. Um, but you know, I'm you know, as I say, I've known about them through my my, my journeys uh, in doing what I do, and it's mm-hmm. great because it just makes me realise why we are the ones who are going to make this real big change with this issue. Absolutely, thank you. Obviously, we've got friends of Caswell Thompson with us too, so mm. I'll I'll come to Errol Campbell first. Um, who are you, and what do you do? Well, obviously, my name is Errol Campbell. <laughs> uh, perhaps I ought to just simply say that um, it's a privilege doing what um, we're doing. Uh, I got into this not because uh, of a great desire, but because of circumstance. Uh, My uncle died of prostate cancer in 2005. Uh, The first time I actually, I'm hearing about prostate. Um, I was too busy with life and work and so forth um, to attend to the necessaries. And, of course, the, the journey started with me because as far as the, the medics were concerned, if it's in the family, the train's already left the station. So I made sure I got myself um, tested. And, and in 2008, I decided to have an awareness um, day in Bath where I was ministering at the time. And um, we had a, a, an awareness day. We had a doctor in and spoke to, to the guys um, about prostate cancer and their wives and, and family. But to cut a long story short, uh, in 2014 I was diagnosed and then that's when uh, reality um, really hit that this thing can, can take your life. And um, Caswell came to see me, Errol's um, brother came to see me um, at home. It just happened 
I was at home on my own that day and we sat around my dining table and spoke about the, the situation and he, he made it known to me that um, he, he was terminal. But he was there to try and encourage me to do something about my <laughs> my diagnosis, which I was. I just wanted to think it through and come up to with the right um, plan. And uh, I, I did say to him at the time, because we were thinking about how we're going to get this out to, to, to people, given the situation with him, because he came to see me and he had a walking stick. It broke my heart. And um, I did promise him that we would do something. I would do something. And I didn't know what, but I was going to do something. And uh, it was uh, Davis' funeral. At the wake, I just it just came out in my head, you know, friends of Caswell Thompson, because all his friends were there at the, at the funeral. And I asked a couple of people there if they would join me. And they said yes. And that's where it actually started. But um, I really don't want to talk about me. <laughs> it's really, it's talk about the work that's what we're doing at the moment, applying some of those disciplines that I learned to what we're doing to yeah. bring the message. Because the message was, if we can save one life, mm -hmm. one life, you know, what we we do, uh, the expense, the effort, it'd be worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. so so it's a journey. It's mm. a journey. We're we're into this journey. We're learning, and um, we're going to. I want to be positive. We're going to not hoping to. We're going to. Yes. Uh, make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yes. I think I think you are already yeah. by the sounds of it. But yes, Definitely. completely. Yeah. So yeah. Now to you, Errol Thompson. My, <laughs> my journey is a bit, a little bit different. I first got involved in two thousand and six. I got approached by someone who told me I had prostate, prostate cancer and um, asked me if I realised that it's a thing that affected mainly black men or predominantly black men. And there was an event going on and because we're playing, we're all footballers, so there's 12 of us and he said, we'll do, um, they got an event called Run for Life, which is to raise funds for prostate cancer. Well, at the time it was prostate cancer research. So we'd done the event and the doctor there was saying men need to be tested when they're 50. I was approaching 50 and I thought, oh, I better get myself checked out. And I had a word with my brother, my older brother. It's quite difficult. It's even difficult talking about it now. But um, my oldest brother had prostate problems at the time, but he wasn't sure what it was. I mean, he couldn't really explain. So I went and got some information. That's about 2009. I actually went to the doctor and got some information on what prostate cancer was about. Because although I knew what it was about, you didn't really understand it. And as Errol said, both Errols, you don't really understand it until you actually see it around you or you've got it yourself and... I mean, we all got ourselves tested, but um, I mean, Kaz was a bit unfortunate because although he was getting tested, I don't know, it's a bit blurred whether he'd been tested, whether he missed a test, I don't know. But when he actually um, went to get a test because he had a show, um, within a few months they told him it was terminal, it was too late. Mm -hmm. And he was 58 at the time, 
just before his 59th birthday. And basically I watched him, my other, my oldest brother, I said, had it long term, but I watched Caswell as my youngest brother, although he's older than me, for two years suffering. He tried everything <laughs> because he's determined to beat it, but he got better of him on his um, 61st birthday. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, my oldest brother, I lost him in the following January. So, and again, to cut a long story short, I end up getting it in the lockdown, 2020. So, yeah, so I know exactly. I knew a lot more then, obviously, because you read stuff and the things that we've been doing with Errol. I've also... Um, logged into Errol's, um, Errol McKellar's um, online thing during the lockdown. Mm. So <laughs> I had I noticed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. And when you say about the thing, I mean, football is my thing. I love football. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I love sport, but football mm. is the main thing. And I've been involved with football for, well, all my life, organising and running it. Yeah. I mean, it's... um. It's difficult because it's prevalent within my family because following my oldest brother's mm. death, both his sons, two of his sons tested, I believe it was the same year that we'd done the first, um, yeah. the first event and he was 46 and he wasn't sure, but because we'd done the event and he learned a bit more, he decided to have a test. And he asked his other brother, they all done it. Mm -hmm. My eldest brothers had three sons, so they all had the tests. And two of them had the cancer at that particular time. Mm. And this was, this was a month after yeah. um, Glandale's death because we had the awareness day in February. Yeah. And um, the two of them, yeah. yeah. So if you, think of, if you take August the 15th, Mm. Okay, that's my day, my birthday. Well, that's when Caswell died, nice. and that was yeah, his birthday on the tenth, 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 tenth of August mm. to February. All that happened, two deaths, those diagnoses, mm. and so forth. Mm. In that compressed in that in that short space, now you're going through all the emotions of yeah. losing yeah. people, and then after having to to climb again yeah. to deal with giving advice yeah. um, to those who. Yeah, and that's the suffering. difficult part, isn't it? You know, like. When this happens, you know that's one thing, and you try to digest that. But it's the uh, it's the effect that it leaves, Absolutely. the emotional effect, and and that is yeah. not one that you're trained to cope with. You know, I mean, the physical side of it is one thing you have to deal with, but the emotional side is a really tough yeah. one. And Absolutely. we've seen hardened men that we know, the three of us. Yeah. This has broken them. You know, I mean, one of the things I used to do, I used to do some door work back in the days. I did 10 years of door work, so you face everything doing that kind of job. I bet. But nothing prepared me for this cancer, nothing. Mm. I mean, you know, my story briefly is my wife was complaining about my snoring. And I tell that story because snoring has got nothing to do with prostate cancer. But as the guys will tell you, nine times out of 10, we find out by accident that we have this problem. And I said to her, look, if it bothers you that much, you know, make an appointment with the doctor and I'll go. She made the appointment, went to the doctors, I sat in the reception room, picked up a leaflet, 
read it, prostate cancer information for black men. I thought, okay, let me go through this. Went through it, thought, I'll go to the reception and make an appointment to come back and do the test. I got to the reception, the young lady said, Mr. McKellar, you don't need to make an appointment. This is a simple blood test, takes less than 10 minutes. <clears throat> Little did I think that that 10 minutes was going to change the rest of my life. So to move the story on, a week after that first blood test, I get a phone call, can I do another blood test? I did that. A week after that second blood test, I get a phone call. And they said, um, Mr. McKellar, we booked you in for a biopsy. I said, oh, when, when have you done this? And they said, well, actually, we booked you in this morning. I said, okay. So I put the phone down. I rang my wife and I said, Sharon, they have, uh, doctors just called me. They want me to go in and have a biopsy. And she said, well, when do they want to do that? I said, well, I actually want to do this this morning. And I think she obviously knew because she said straight away, she said, well, listen, don't worry, right? don't drive, get a cab and I'll meet you at the hospital. And I remember before I put the phone down, I turned to her and I said, by the way, what's a biopsy? Because right. it wasn't something that I was related to. You know, I mean, you know, I'm a football person. So you tell me about Achilles or ankle sprains and <laughs> yeah, sure. knees and, and that sort of injury, then I get it. But no, you know, and she said, oh, it's, it's something routine that we women have to go through. That's how she described it. Well, to be honest, I'm glad she didn't go into detail because it was probably the most frightening experience of my life, right? And, I, you know, as I say, I've been through some things, but nothing prepared you for that biopsy. Right. But it's something that's needed, you know? Yeah. And then a week after that biopsy, I had to have the MRI scan. And one week after that scan, they called me and my wife in and sat us down. And they said, Mr. McKenna, your prostate is covered in cancer. Well, guys, I, I got up and I walked out of the room, mm. you know? I walked out of the building. I went and I sat in my car. And I think the fear of that word cancer then yeah. hit me. And I'm not ashamed to admit in front of all of us here, I, I just burst into tears and I felt lost. I felt helpless. And I remember my wife coming in and she sat there and she said, all the years that I've been with you, I've never, ever seen you quit on anything that you've ever done. And listen, I, I had to stop and I had to man up and wipe the tears from my eyes. And I looked at her and I thought, is she having a go at me or is this her way of motivating me to do something? And I took the latter. That's what she was doing. So we went back in, I said to the doctor, right, what do I need to do to deal with this problem? He said, Mr. McKellar, if we don't remove your prostate, you could be dead in six months. I said, okay, well, let's do it, right, just like that. And he said, look, there'll be some issues you have to deal with. There'll be some side effects you have to come to terms with. I said, doctor, if I have a chance of staying alive, I'll take that. I had the operation to remove the prostate, but by then the cancer had already come apart. It came out of the perimeter walls, mm, as we call yeah. it. So I had to have nearly three months of radiotherapy. And the guys will tell you that is brutal, right? Yeah. Because it burns away, not just what it burns away, it burns everything else that it can, it gets into contact with. So I, I was, this was a tough period for me. And, you know, I sat down with my wife and I said, listen, I said, you know, because of my faith, I said, I have to thank God that I'm still alive here, right? Because if I have the amount of cancer that they're telling me, and I'm still alive, I have to thank him for that. But I really now think I need to find some way of doing something about this issue because this is all new to me, you know? Yeah. And women are very inspirational when they're not nagging. They're very inspirational, <laughs> right? And my, my wife turned to me and she said, listen, 
She said, this cancer's only knocked you down. Mm. It hasn't knocked you out. She said, but what you're going to do, you're going to go 12 rounds with it, but you will take everybody in the ring with you to give yourself a fighting chance. And that's my inspiration when I get up every morning. And I was out of work for six months, you know, and I used to be a mechanic, servicing, repairing, and MOTing cars. And the first day I went back to work, a guy walked into my garage and we got into a pleasant conversation. He said, you know what, I'm really glad to see you back. I heard you were going through a really tough time. You know, good to see you back on your feet and so forth. And I don't know where it came from. I looked at him and I said to him, when was the last time you had your prostate checked? And the pleasant conversation stopped. And now he's undoing his jacket and I think he wants to fight me now, right? And he says to me, what the bleep, bleep, bleep has that got to do with my gearbox not working on my car? <laughs> <laughs> so without thinking about it, I just turned to him and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 20% discount on the work I'm going to do on your car if you get your prostate checked by the time you come back. Well, guys, clearly didn't think this one through, right? Because <laughs> he came back in two weeks later and he goes, I took your advice and he was waving his bit of paper in his hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him, right? And I looked up to the sky and I said, Jesus Christ, this has just cost me 200 quid. Right? <laughs> and, and he obviously saw the look on my face because he said, listen, don't, don't worry about the money. And I looked up there and again and I said, thank you, God. Right? <laughs> but he said to me, he said, listen, I think you better read this piece of paper. And I've got to tell you, and the shock is still there with me today. Right? When I opened his letter and I read it, he had 25% cancer in his prostate. He didn't even know wow. he went to do that test because I offered him 20% discount. And what was frightening, he was the first of 48 guys that walked into my little garage in the East End of London that was diagnosed with prostate cancer. 28 of those guys were African Caribbean men. Two of them are no longer here. One was 42 years of age. When he found out, he lasted 10 months. He was the unlucky one for me. The other gentleman was 36 years of age, right? Gosh. But, yeah, and, and it's not, not a common thing. No. But the history of this young man is that when I spoke to him, he said, I can't go through all of that because my two brothers have had ca prostate cancer, my dad's had it, and my uncle's had it. And I thought I needed to ask him the question and hope that I didn't hear what he said. And he said it again, and I said, okay, and I took his keys, I gave it to one of my mechanics, and I put him in the car, and I drove him to Homerton Hospital, because they knew I was doing the campaign. They said, if you refer anybody to us, we'll look at them there and then. They did the test on him. Two weeks later, when he came back, he stood outside the garage. He had tears running down his eyes, and he said to me, it's too late. It's already reached my bones. Gosh. Six months he lasted, you know. Me. So what we are trying to do, right, as a group of people is to try to not get to that stage, no, right? Because I'm a mechanic. So if you've got a problem with your car, you're going to bring it for me to fix it, or you're going to bring it for me to MOT it. Yet we don't have that same attitude to our bodies. And that's what but we you, are collectively trying to do, isn't it? You know what? I don't want to interrupt you, but <laughs> you said it there. Yeah. You were do it's, it's a pretest, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you're bringing, you bring a car for an MOT and a test yeah. to check to see check, how it is. Yeah. And it's no different when you service. Exactly. You, you take your car for a service yeah. because you want to make sure yeah. it lasts longer. Yeah. It's no good taking it when it's broken mm. because it might write it off. Exactly. Or exactly. it'll cost you a you lot know, of money. 
And, and I just want to add something, what, what the guys were saying, and, and it's very important to, to, to get this conversation right. When I spoke to my dad about this issue, my dad said, son, I had that five years ago. And I, and I was so shocked, I couldn't speak to him for six months. And I said, dad, you've got four sons, five grandsons. Don't you think we should have had this conversation? But since I've been doing this campaign, and I know the guys will back me on this, it's very common particularly in, in our culture. Mm. They do not talk about this issue in our culture, right? Back home, where we come from, it's complications, waterworks, all of those sort of languages. Never prostate. Nice. Mm. Yeah, I, I think um, the PSA test is one of those that causes people a problem. I look at it this way, it's the start of the conversation. Mm. You might go and have a prostate um, test and it becomes a positive negative, mm. but it's start of the conversation yeah. because perhaps the prostate might have been enlarged. But at least what's happened now, you've started the journey mm-hmm. uh, and, and um, without that initial uh, kickstart, you probably would have gone on life with life and end up like those two guys yeah. who, when, when they presented, mm. it's too late. And that's one of the reasons why <clears throat> on our website, uh, Friends of Caswell um, website, if I can plug it a bit, um, foct.uk, still in your browser, we've got a video mm. made by Orchid, yes. um, which is very, very good. Good video. Uh, it speaks about um, presenting a letter to your unpresented self, <laughs> okay, yeah. which is a rebuke. Yeah, but yes, I think um, the, the 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 fight. I, I will put it as because we are fighting this. Um, we're fighting ignorance. Mm. Uh, we're fighting reluctance, mm-hmm. and we are in a economic war as well. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, you know, we're dealing yes. with, with with prostate cancer, but there's there's um, economics attached to that as well. Mm. So the work. Um, that uh, Errol M is doing it is great, and um, we're just part of the puzzle. Mm. Okay, you know we do our bit; he does his bits. You know, and what we find we found with uh, friends of Caswell Thompson, which was a shock to me, that there was nothing happening in our community. Mm. The, the statutory bodies that were responsible for our health was not visible, mm. not large, not known in the community. Mm. You have to fend for yourself. Yes. And some people don't know how to fend for themselves. Mm. They have no one to speak to. So the work of, of raising awareness uh, is not enough just to raise awareness. Mm. We have to change policies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay? definitely. So the journey, first of all, I need to make men aware and so they get themselves sorted out mm. then we have to address the issues the issues yes. mm. why didn't i know about prostate cancer mm. okay why didn't that. i know about yeah. um the statutory bodies your council's responsible mm. um for the health of the, of the community mm. why haven't we heard from them mm. why was nothing done and so when we had the very first awareness um, in Bristol, that was the first time 
had ever been done. Mm. Nobody knew about it. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute, I, I just somebody being paid <laughs> mm. <laughs> to look mm. after my health. Yeah. And I've not seen them. Mm. Mm. So we have to have the mindset that if we don't do it for ourselves, yeah, it probably yeah. won't get done. Nah. Yep. Nah. Okay. So what, what does that look like? So, you know, you, you mentioned that there's, there's kind of a, you know, an issue of kind of raising awareness, getting the conversation going from the community side, you know, and, you know, these are scary things to talk about, right? But you, you need to start and you need to sort of I get think, those messages across. I think the blunt truth is, is that, you know, our community at the moment are not trusting of the health service, right? And the reason being is because, like Errol C is saying, no one has told us what needs to be told. No one has advised us what needs to be advised. We're having to seek this information. It shouldn't be that way. You know, they've told us that prostate cancer is the biggest killer of mankind in the country, but it's curable if caught early. Yeah. So our question is, what are we doing about this then? If it's curable, should we not be having a conversation? Yes. You know, we don't want to be sending people to the doctors and the doctors are not seeing them. Mm. You know, you can't tell us in one hand that this is a big problem and then in the other hand, you're not doing anything about it because something needs to be done and it needs to be done now because the, the numbers are what we know is over 47,000 men a year are diagnosed. Over 11,000 men will die. So that currently means we lose one man every 45 minutes. Yes. So by the end of this day, it's 129 men, right? These are numbers that were given to us. We didn't mm. make these numbers up. It's currently one in 12 Asian men. It's currently one in eight white men. It's currently one in four African Caribbean men. And the, the risk is even more frightening if it's in your family. Mm -hmm. But that's if there's a conversation. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I would add to that as well. Yeah. It's not uh, simply just about um, having this conversation. Mm. I think there's a, a, a very important element which we recognised when we first had. We, we didn't have an awareness day for men. No. We had an awareness day for men and women. Mm. Yeah. Uh, partly because they're the carers when things go wrong mm. and people have to be looked after. But there's another ele element which... Uh, sometimes ignored. If if your mother's had um, breast cancer, yeah, it heightens mm. your risk. So that conversation has to has to be yeah, had with yeah. with with um with men, even if they're not forty or forty five. Yeah, yeah. and younger. we need to get that into yeah. the community yeah. because that's not something that they are aware of. I think the other thing is women are also the driving force behind <sighs> the majority of the men who go yeah. forward in any way. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. mentioned that yourself, Harold. Yeah. 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 You know, so I mean, uh, we've, we've spoken about be, it, haven't we? Yes, I mean, for every 10 men that we talk to, we know that 10 of those men, I would say nine, but I'm going to be brutal and say 10 of those 10 men that we talk to, it will be the women that are responsible for either getting them to go and get themselves checked. I mean, when I was offering 20% discount in my garage, more women took it than men, <laughs> right? Husbands used to come and say to me, look, my wife's not giving me any sex. I'm in the spare room because of you, right? <laughs> I'm not happy about this. I said, guys, it's a simple solution. Just go and do the test, yep. right? She cares about you more than your life insurance, right? And we, yeah. you know, and, and the guys have alluded to it. There's a big problem through fear and ignorance. The fear of knowing and the ignorance to choose to do nothing about it. And the bottom line is this cancer doesn't really care about your colour. It don't care about your wealth and it don't care about you. You leave it and ignore it, it will kill you. 
I think one of the thing when you said about ignorance mm. is not just the ignorance that they don't want it to get something done. Mm. It's the ignorance because they don't know. Yeah. And as I said, I knew about prostate cancer, but I didn't really know mm. until it directly yeah. affects you in some way. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So that's until my brother got it, mm. it was, it really hit home. Yeah. And as I said, when Errol mentioned it, Errol C, mm. about doing this thing, I said, yeah, 100%, because we'd sit there and mm. chat with him. While he was dying. Yeah. 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 And we can't let what happened to, to, to your brother Caswell, we can't let that go in vain, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because, you know, listen, I mean, I'm talking to 14, 15, 16-year-old kids at the moment who don't even know what a prostate is, mm -hmm. right? And that is frightening because in schools now, they're talking about periods. So they've, yes. they've recognised that ladies need to have a better understanding. What about the boys? Mm -hmm. You know, if they don't know what a prostate is at 14, 15, 16, and we've got men younger that are dying younger of this illness, at what point does the education really kick in? Yeah. You know? It does. You've, you've all talked around this as, as, and recognising that we are talking about a system. Yeah. A, a system yes. of things. Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, if you were to hear and sort of design this kind of ideal system in which some of the challenges that you're facing and getting the change that is needed to get that earlier testing, you know, prevent sort of people going further down the line um, where this illness and cancer ends up taking their lives. And we know this is a problem for a lot of different health areas, um, yeah. you know, not just prostate cancer, but I think there's something quite lethal about prostate cancer yeah. um, that makes it particularly important. So what does that system need to look like to, well, to be effective? Go on, you take that one first, because I've got a brutal yeah. answer to this I, question. I, I'm really I, brutal. I think um, let's let's if before we start talking about the system, we need to identify this term um, health inequality, mm. uh, because nobody's actually defined what that is. Okay, um, what's the origin and how has it been still been maintained? Mm. But if I was a person who knew nothing about prostate cancer, I want to be able to go somewhere and see something that will take me through the states. What do I need to do as a, as a, as a man um, about the testing, where I need to go, uh, what um, I would do with the results, and if it was positive, you know, um, what I needed to do. The negative side of it, okay, you you eased on it, but you can't ease down on it because you've got to still be aware. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if I was diagnosed, the treatments available, um, what I would have to go through, because that's not clear. Mm. What's clear is about the the physical side, perhaps. Mm. You know what options are 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 available, and it it's too late when you've been diagnosed to try and actually, Flipping. for some people anyway, for some people to, to digest, mm. to to get your head around all the necessary um, available treatments. Mm. What's brachiotherapy, you know? Yeah. Um, what's the difference between that and radiotherapy? Mm. Because you're, the pressure's on you because you're yeah. having to deal with this thing that you, you can die. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the education comes first. Key, key. Yes. Key. Key education. Yeah. And then the system. Yeah. And the system needs to have an input from people who are able 
to best inform that system. That system has actually been developed by people who've never been um, yeah. affected by it. Mm. And how is that going to change? It, there has to be change in policies. Yeah. And, and the policies won't change unless there's pressure being put on it. And also, let's be clear, money can't be put before people's health. Mm. Okay? Which in a lot of cases it seems is. to be. Yeah. But well, uh, yes. When yeah. you're when you're yeah. when you go and you, you kind of when you work in this area even as a, an area of research, you know, yeah. and, and kind of I've I've been, you know, privy to, you know, researchers kind of putting economic cases forwards for mm. you know, having some sort of change in some sort of way in which a service is delivered in the NHS and, and unfortunately it yeah. it is the, it appears, and I think it unfortunately is in reality as well. The bottom line is cost. But you know what? There, there is a there is a solution, and I think that they're you know, they're sugarcoating the, the situation. And and to be blunt, really, and I, I have to say that if they want to really get to the root of this problem, because there's some fantastic research work going on, right? First of all, they have to get the African Caribbean community involved, right? in the research because if they want to get the right data then they need to get the people that they're questioning they need to get them involved what does that involvement actually look like well in that involvement is sitting right here there's three people right here and there's a lot more that can go into the places which they class as hard to reach which shouldn't be a term used anyway right there's three people here that are capable of going into these places and delivering the needs of what people need, right? Because the, the lack of trust is because no one's telling anybody, you know, they're not telling anybody anything. And by the time the conversation is had, as Errol C has said, we're turning up when it's too late. We're stage four, right? We have to have this issue way before it gets past level one, mm -hmm. two, three, and unfortunately four, right? And it is down to education. And we are capable, right? because unfortunately we have a qualification that we didn't want to go and get, but we have it, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to go in and really have this man-to-man, toe-to-toe conversation, you know? And look, sometimes if a black person looks at a black person, he will feel that he's getting the truth from him, right? Because we've experienced this. This is not something that we, we, we made up. We're living with this issue. Right, because we are the three of us are living with this issues and the side effects, yes. both physically and emotionally. So when we're telling somebody, we're telling them from our heart as mm. well as our head. Yes, you know why not use that equipment? I mean, for me as a mechanic, I was always told if you want to undo an, an, a nut, you use a spanner. Don't try and undo it with a, a hammer and chisel. Undo it with a spanner. And yes. look, we have the spanners here, so why not use them? You know, because it would solve a lot of the issues, right, if we could just break those barriers down and get people to understand that, listen, it's important that you go and do these tests because the people that are, are diagnosed with prostate cancer is one thing, but what about those who don't have a problem? What are their bodies producing that is defensive against mm. this issue? So it goes both ways from yeah. a medical point of view and from a researcher's point of view, right, is that, they want to get the data right. They don't want to speculate that we think there's an estimated number of people suffering this problem. They want to be positive about it. And if there's something that they can rectify through their research, who better than to come and ask us who are in the, in the minefield anyway? 
Definitely. But the 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 question of research, um, mm. it, it sounds good, but you always always have to ask the question: Why is research necessary? Mm. Okay, mm. <laughs> you have research because you don't know, mm. and the question is: Why don't you know? That, that's mm. that's my question. I mean, I looking at the the brief, mm. which talks about um, research organisations um, want uh, are working at how mm. to build trust. Now, my, my question is, what work have you been doing? Because mm. if you've been working, uh, why haven't we seen you working? Okay, yeah. and, mm. and what's the nature of the work? What's informing that work? Mm. Um, you can make an awful lot of effort and get nowhere. They're not visible. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's, what's needed is stop looking at it from an academic point mm -hmm. of view and look at it from a human point of view. Mm. Okay, um, you can walk into a community, and you can get a lot of information without having to do research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's the there's the medical research, okay, mm. and there's the social research. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the medical you can't um, bypass that. You can't shortcut that. But there's the social um, research, which, which, perhaps in some ways is, is more beneficial. I was going to say that's the key for yeah. me. Yeah. The social mm. is the key mm. because if you don't have the social interaction to get people to go and test, you ain't going to have the research. No, exactly. So that's the first exactly. thing. Mm. So if yeah. you're looking at a research point all the time, you're not really going to be in a position to do a research because mm. you're not going to reach the people you want to get to come in. So it's got to be mm. a social interaction first mm. and then the research. Yeah, yeah. 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 So doing it back to front, yeah. and the understanding mm. is 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 a big issue because in in our community, when you talk to people in our community, the first thing they talk about is the erectile dysfunction, right? Now, let's go back further into this situation because when they tell me that, I say, guys, if you're dead, you don't have an erectile function anyway. So let's start at the beginning of this issue, right? The test that you need to have, you should make it an annual thing to go and do this test, you know, not use it as an excuse not to do it because at what point are you going to recognise that there's something that you have to address? You know, it's plain. They are telling us it's one in four. They're telling us early detection is key. But like Errol C is saying, you know, we've, we've, we, you know the, 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 the social side of it is not being dealt with, you know, you know, you look, you can do all the fantastic work that you're doing, but if no one turns up, it, it falls in vain, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's where the problem is, you know. We've got to get a community that, one, isn't trusting because of lack of information, right, and not knowing the right things that they need to know, and two, to understand that it's important for them to be involved in what's going on. Be, you know, ask questions because... Listen, we, 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 we all organise groups that we talk to. And I have to tell you, and these guys will back me, the questions that they ask, these are questions they don't ask when they're sitting in front of their doctors. No, so, that's true. Yeah. You know? yeah, because uh, I think there's, there's, a, there's uh, a reason for that. Mm. Doctors tend to be distant. Yeah. If you haven't built up a relationship with your GP mm. and you only time you see the GP is when he's, you know, something pretty bad is wrong, mm. then you, you're not going to have the confidence 
yeah. of actually uh, speaking with your GP. You can speak to someone else who's suffering through the, the, the same ailments. Mm. But I think the, the, the knock, because don't forget, we have a network. Mm. I go to my GP and ask for a PSA test and my GP turns me down. Yeah. I don't keep that to myself. I tell you mm. and I tell somebody else. And then this negativity mm. just actually yeah. permeates yeah. through, through mm. the community. Mm. Uh, and when you go to the GP and the GP says, well, mm, I wouldn't worry about that for now um, because X, Y, Z. It's mm. showing a degree of ignorance that shouldn't yeah. be there at all. Yeah. Mm. See, language so, is key. Yeah. What Errol C is saying, yeah. language is key. Because yeah. the minute you say to somebody, don't worry about that, that's his excuse to walk through the door. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> yes. yeah. it, it was yeah. such hard work to yeah. get that person yeah. to walk through the yeah. door in the, the first three of place. Us, listen, we could spend a, an hour talking to somebody and the doctor can send him out of that room in less than one minute. <laughs> yeah. And yes. we just spent an hour talking to him. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But the danger, the danger is this, yeah. that that discouragement yeah. is embedded and never ever addressed again yes. yeah. because I'm not going back. Right, yeah. exactly. That's my I mean, one chance. Yes. Yeah. I'm, do yeah. I'm doing this once yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yes, and so, so I yeah. don't go back again. And then what happens is I, I'm a time bomb. <laughs> I'm a time bomb yeah. because when it, when it explodes, it is not just me that's... Mm. It's a knock-on effect. It's a ripple. It's, yeah, it's it's a ripple, a ripple the effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, just, I just bring my experience... Um, of course, I got a large family, extended family, not only in, but abroad. And um, when um, I was diagnosed, and I had to, I had to tell my wife because she wasn't with me when I went to sit to get the result. It took me two days for it to sink into me first <laughs> mm. before I could actually tell her. Smiling because uh, we I, had a conversation about this. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, but the thing about it, um, she's been in the medical profession herself. Okay, oh, so okay. it wasn't from that standpoint, but the the other impact. And then I, you have to tell the rest of the family, you have to tell the children, mm. you have to tell the brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews. And um, and of course, they were there on that journey with you. Mm. And when you you came out, I came out at the other end, um, and I had to keep sending them results of the tests, mm. and I had to do it in code. I was sending an email. And I was so I was sending it encoded. I was saying, you know, I went into to bat and, and I I scored scored a duck. Yeah, they understood exactly what I was saying in the email. Mm. Um, so it so they're on that journey with you. They're asking yeah. what is what is happening mm. um, because the, the the impact is is because of relationship. Mm. You know, you've got relationship mm. and somebody's going to try to break that relationship they're obviously um, very concerned about it yeah so i I, w I would impress on people that it's not purely an academic mm. <coughs> approach is needed mm. that social aspect of yeah. it yeah um couldn't and, agree more yeah, yeah. and no I, man what Errol is saying and it's true no single man can deal with prostate issues on his own no. it has to be a no. support network you know yes. your wife becomes or your partner becomes your carer right not a job that she chooses to do but a job that ends up being because 
when you you know you go through all different emotions when you're diagnosed with this issue you feel helpless you feel lost you don't feel like a man anymore there's lots of things that you have to come to terms with and the, the women are powerful in dealing yeah, with what it, i so. was going to say the reason why i said we had the conversation yeah is because i said to him a similar thing you should never ever go into one of those on your own yeah your own, yeah right you yeah. should never go into one of those um yeah. consultations that's on true your own. that's true because again errol you knew about prostate cancer you knew how it worked and yet it still took you two days <laughs> mm -hmm. right? to, to, yeah. a weaker person yeah would not have said nothing no yeah yeah and that's so true sorry to cut you yeah. out. that is true because one of the guys that we were in our sit and talk programs with right for nearly three months he didn't say nothing to his partner and we kept saying listen it has to come from you mm -hmm. right you have to tell her you know and when he said it to her she knew she knew anyway and the sad thing is is that for us men as i say we bottle it up because we generally think that this issue is going to go away we're going to wake up tomorrow and some by some magic it, yeah it's not there but the reality is yeah. it will be there and it'll be worse yeah i i'd like to raise something which you which you refer which you <clears throat> alluded to mm. uh, and it's about the um the treatment a, a lot of men as soon as they hear prostate cancer they perhaps immediately think about death yeah um but it's not necessary no it's not death mm. and also your quality of life as well mm. now one of the drivers um uh, for me is how you go into pursue a relationship when prostate cancer hits you as a man mm. as a father mm. and want to convey to the chaps out there go and start the conversation if you go and Mm. start the conversation and you happen to be um one of those who have been diagnosed it doesn't have to mean your life is destroyed one of the, every, all of us we're sexual creatures mm. and which man doesn't like to have sex make love to his wife and so forth mm. you put that in jeopardy when you go too late mm -hmm. because even if you have the prostate removed, at mm. least you can have a, a nerve sparing yeah. operation, mm. which gives you back your sexual function yeah. in, in a short yeah. while. Yeah, treatments are that good yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, they're that good. But if you wait till, till it's too late, mm. they have no option. No, mm. so you you find yourself in a whole world of pain. Mm. So you're doing yourself a favor, and you're doing your wife a favor. Mm. You're doing. Well, I, I can't. You can't put a value on no, that. No, you know, you can't put a value on that, and your happiness can't be counted in money. No, no exactly. Okay, it's, it's no. how you feel and yeah. the psychological. And, and what, Errol, what Errol's saying is right, really, and, and, and what both these guys are saying is, you know, your quality of life will definitely change. It's how much mm. of that quality of life you want to sacrifice, mm. right, yes. through the the fear and and and, and the ignorance. It's, Errol was saying, you know, like, look, the long term of this is you're going to have to come to terms with the adjustments. You know, you're not going to be Usain Bolt anymore. You're more likely to be Mo Farah. But you know what? As Errol C says, there's many ways to make love, right? You don't have to feel that you're going to be 
Usain Bolt and do it in 9.9 .9 seconds. You know, be Mo Farah. But in your heart and your head, you have to bring those two together to make that judgment because the longer you leave it, the less choices you have. Yeah. And that's what's frightening, yeah. you know, because this doesn't, it doesn't wait for anybody. You know, yeah. I mean, my situation was very rapid and that's what's frightening. Yeah. That this is a symptom that doesn't always show up in men. A lot of men who are diagnosed with this didn't even know they had the problem. No. You know, so that's why, you know, we, 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 we've been sort of talking off air about the length of time that these checks should be done. Yes. You know, I'm pushing for it to be a year. Yeah. Right? Errol C on my left is campaigning for <laughs> six months, which makes sense. But we know what, yeah, but we just, <laughs> we just need to get something because at this moment, there isn't a national screening. We don't get a letter like you ladies get. Yeah. We don't get that. All they recommend is, well, when you get to 50... Right, 45. Have, yeah. 45. Well, in African Caribbean <laughs> community, or if it's a history in the family, 45. Okay. But the three of us know people younger that yeah. are dying of this problem. So yeah. the reality is we can't wait for that. You know, I mean, 36 years of age is a history in the family. Mm. And when there's a history in the family, then you have got to consider the implications that that's going to have on somebody in the family who is that young and ha having that problem. So what you've mentioned policy change as well as as well as the education mm. bit. So just mm. to kind of talk about that a little bit more now. Yeah. Again, what does that really what are you wanting to see? You've mentioned a letter. Mm. What does it look like? Yeah. Uh, let me just point out something that uh, what amazed me um, when I got into this. Uh, if you think about it, 2000, 2015 was the, 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 the last substantive um, figures, mm. uh, one, every, one every 45 minutes. Mm. I asked the question, I said, um, how many black men died? Mm. <laughs> and nobody could give me a figure. Nah. This is from the, 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 um, the stats. Uh, it to me is a no-brainer. I'm I'm just thinking this is to me is just mm. a no-brainer. It, it doesn't yeah. take much thinking. A five-year-old thing. I said, mm. what is on their death certificate? Oh, we don't put ethnicity on the on the um, death certificate. I said, really? So how mm. do, how, how are you monitoring mm. the death of uh, of 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 people? Mm. How how I mean, one in four black men diagnosed, and you don't know how many are dying every year accurately. Mm. It just does a minor change on a death certificate, ethnicity. Mm, yeah. Okay. And then the research becomes easy yeah, because that yeah. data is there yeah. and, and it can mm. be compiled. But I think yeah. that's lack of, 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 of data in the first place, why that information isn't available. No, no, no. It's no lack of thinking about the minority that's, that's greatly yeah. affected yeah. by it. Yeah. The most affected um, community but is should a black, they, is black. You know, So they're not, they're, there clearly isn't a data on it. Right, because if it was important, there would be a data on it. So what my issue is now is, look, if there's not a data on it, what we want to do, we want to create a mobile testing program to produce that data as well, because we will be giving facts, because for everyone that is tested, black, white or indifferent, we would have a data on it. Yeah. You know? But the death, the, the point the, the, the point is yeah. the, have it on your on the death certificate. Mm, I agree matter, with you. A matter what? of public record yeah. uh, of mm. how many um, mm. people from ethnic groups yeah. are dying of um, prostate cancer. Mm. Um, they, they've, they've done it with COVID, isn't it? I think Errol, the, the term mm, is that um, what, everybody mm, who's had tested COVID mm, within so and such yes, and such a yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> but, but listen what to what, what I was going to say. Was, yeah. Was, 
the silly thing is, if you got you remember, it's only recently, it's not that long ago that mm. they were, weren't putting um, prostate cancer on a death certificate. If you had prostate cancer, you could die from all sorts of stuff because it brings on other illnesses. Mm. So rather than say this, you died from um, prostate cancer from heart failure mm. due to prostate cancer. So they don't put the fact that you had prostate cancer, say you had heart, heart failure, failure yeah. or you died from pneumonia, mm. but all that was brought on because you got prostate, prostate cancer. cancer. Yeah. But they don't tell you that. So that's, it's, it needs to be more detailed. Yeah. The death certificates need to be more detailed yeah. if you want to do yeah. research because the research, as yeah. I said, doesn't make any sense mm. if you're just saying yeah. 500, 10,000 yeah. people died yeah. from prostate cancer. And what does it mean? That, that, yeah. To simplify what you're all saying, I mean, in my little garage, I was able, I was able to determine, and these are the amount of men that came into my garage to tell me that they had this problem, that of the 48 guys, 28 of those guys were African Caribbean men. So that's a data on its own, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So in, as far as data's go, right, it's, well, we feel it's down to us to produce this data. Right. I know the guys feel the same way. We will have to produce this data in order to give people like yourself who are involved in the research a clearer picture as to what you're dealing. Because all that great work at the moment, right, if the situation is you're only testing one in every 10 African Caribbean men, then your answer is not going to be the same as if you was testing 10 of every 10. Right. And that's where the breakdown is. And if our people are not going to get themselves tested, then I think the solution for what we feel, bring the test to them. Yeah. You know, and that's that we think that there, there's an answer to that question. We've not had one man in the survey that we've done that wouldn't do the test. They wouldn't go and do the test as we know. Right. If it's there on their doorstep. But if you turn up, we know our community and the things that gets them excited, they go to parties, they will come out and polish their cars. Their cars are the most important thing in their life with their jewellery, right? So I say to these guys, listen, it's great that the car looks good, but if the engine ain't working, it, it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that is exactly the same as the prostate. As small as it is, it's the engine. And if that don't start, you can have on the best suit, the best shirt, the best trousers, the best shoes. If you're dead, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so it's as brutal as that. But the, the other thing which, which, we, which we need to do is, okay, we can level a degree of criticism at organization, the establishment. and yeah. um, so. But we need to look at ourselves. Yeah. Um, there is the, I wouldn't call it a stigma, but the reluctance of men to be tested physically. Yes. Mm. Um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't like the digital um, examination. Mm. And okay, that is your take, that's your position. Out of pride, I don't want any man <laughs> touching me and so forth. All right, in comparison what women go through, then it's, it's, it's small beer, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing compared to what yeah. a woman goes through. But then that's a, a, a rather selfish attitude because you're not impacting just yourself. Others around you are, are actually going through. You mm. don't want to be on your deathbed saying sorry to your, to your family mm. for being um, reluctant 
about getting um, tested. So we've got to overcome that. And this is the reason why the research which has been done and the new practices which has been is thinking of bringing, of having the testing not done simply by the PSA, but to have scanning as well, as, yeah. as a, as a, a, a the front end is great. Mm. And we should be pushing that. We mm. should be pushing t- yeah. for, for scanning to be mm. mainstream. Mm. That you, you go in, you can have your blood test, but because with me, I I was going every six months before mm. I was even diagnosed because my uncle had died of it. And um, and I wasn't having any annual. I'm having every six months, and, and that's what happened. And I went to see my consultant, and uh, I walked in, and he said, Mr. Campbell, he said, I'm not even going to check you, he said. I, I said, I, I, I bopsy last year and so forth. He said, nah. And it's still ringing in my head now because that's all I heard. I can't even remember the rest of the conversation. Mm. He said they missed the cancer. So uh, I had a, a transrectal um, biopsy and they took bits of the, the prostate and checked it for, for cancer. And they missed it. Gosh. So instruction to me was when you see your consultant, mm. because my consultant was away and so professor took his, his, um, his list in. I saw my, my uh, consultant Six months later, I said, well, um, Professor Raj said, I've got to have a um, scan. He said, well, if he says you can have a scan, you can have a scan. Had the scan. Yeah. Both sides of the prostate, not just one side, both sides. The cancer was on mm. both. I've had no symptoms whatsoever. Mm. I'm perfectly yeah. right. No symptoms at all. It's only because I was due diligence of having mm. a test every six months. And, of course, then... Uh, I was given a window of opportunity because having a general having a biopsy under general anaesthetic, where they actually went in and and, and did the biopsy that way, um, I had an aggressive form, so I had a window of opportunity before it broke out mm-hmm. of of the the, uh, the prostate and started doing real damage. Um, so, if you don't, if you're not involved in that, and and mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I take what Errol said, and I think it's true. You can't be walking this journey on your own. No. No. You know? So, unfortunately, we've rapidly run out of time, and I feel like <laughs> I could sit here for another couple of hours um, talking to you about this. It's yeah. been a, such a rich conversation. I really appreciate everything that you've had to say, and I couldn't agree more, and I think it's incredibly inspiring the ways in which you're able to articulate so clearly mm. you know, what, what's really needed and that you know... You well, you act, you absolutely are already, but you you know what needs to be done. You can mm-hmm. see clearly how this can change. So I just want to take the opportunity, I suppose, to ask you what what is next for your work here. Um, what are you really excited about? What are you kind of mostly looking forward to uh, in the coming months? Well, yeah. <laughs> as far as as far as Fresno's Caswell Thompson is concerned, I mean, I can definitely say that we have um, moved from the shadows. Mm to a place where research, to be involved in research, that, that, is, that is key and something that I, I, I was very keen on. Um, I was a research done in, in Bristol some years ago um, and uh, there is um, one black man on the entire, yeah, one black person in the research group and he's speaking to you now, mm. only one. 
Okay, mm. so you're not going to get much data out no. of that. Okay, no. not good enough. Yeah, it? so that's what's happening. Uh, that's one of the things that we're really keen on and doing, and we've got involved in that. Um, and we're going to we're going to actually um, push that. That that's one definite thing I can actually say. Yeah, There's other yeah. things, but you're yeah. pressing time. Well, we'll so see. on that yeah. research thing. I've been on a research program for the last 15 years. Okay. So, and I've also been on the prostate research as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, research for me is it's key. It is key. Mm. But they've got to put the information. The information is critical because yeah. if you haven't, you could do as much research as you want. But if you're researching a small portion, mm. mm -hmm. then it's very difficult to get true answers yes. and be able to deal with the issue properly. So, they've got to put results. As Errol had said before, on a death certificate, you've got to say whether that person had prostate cancer or not. Mm. You've mm. got to say it because yeah. otherwise this, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and the ethnicity. Yes, that's, and that's the, the exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know what? I mean, we, 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 we've probably been a little bit polite, but we have to emphasize the importance of this word research and getting people involved. And that's something that the Errol McKellar Foundation is doing. We're sitting and talking with people we're getting them to understand, like Errol was saying about the information. We are the ones who have to bring that information. We have to make this change, you know. And one of the things we want to do is we want to create a mobile project so that we collectively will go into the communities and get this data to help with the research. So we're going to do our part. We just want the officials to do theirs. Absolutely. And um, just to sort of just quickly say on that, that, from where I sit, I know that there are a lot of people who are really, really keen to, to change the ways in which research is thought about yeah, yeah. and how it's even outlined yeah. and then who's involved in shaping that. Yeah. Well, message um, is, is and we're here. Yeah, it's, Ask us, we're here. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it, it feels like change is happening on both yeah, sides. It's brilliant. just kind of making sure it meets in the middle yeah, and we can work properly together. On the research, yeah. the part of the problem is if I want to conduct a research, I have to justify that research. Mm. And of course, there's a, there's a money involved. Why not simply undertake the research because it's necessary? Yeah. Yes, completely. It's mm. This is necessary. Mm. We're going to do it. Yes. Yeah. And then what will happen, the way the, the, the research is framed, it will mm. be framed to suit the situation. Yeah. And, and you're not As having an academic, yeah, yeah. An academic yeah. looking through it. So, well, the wording isn't right. Or, well, the objective mm. isn't right. And so, yeah. so we know what we're trying to, to, to deal Absolutely. with. Absolutely. It's about staying true to what you're really doing here yes. and, yes. and why mm. you're doing it and yeah. Yeah. everything like that. So completely agree. Thank you again so much. Um, <laughs> it's been a genuine pleasure to have you with me today. So that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening to this discussion about the G word and for joining us on this journey to highlight and debate the implications of genomics as it comes into the mainstream of healthcare and society. You can find out more about the Errol McKellar Foundation at theerolmckellarfoundation.com and Friends of Caswell Thompson at foct.uk to discover more about the work they do. If you have any views on these topics or have a person in mind you would like us to interview, please write to us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. Remember to subscribe to The G Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And that if you've enjoyed listening, giving us a five-star review really helps other people find out about the series. See you next time on The G Word. Thank you very Thank much you very for much. inviting us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.